0: Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news, and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Super excited to be with you here Monday morning, Private Club Radio. This is episode number 204. And we've got Peter Nanula of Concert Golf Partners to come on and share his top 11 signs that your club should consider a capital partner. Now, what I love about the information that Peter gives is whether you are in financial trouble or if you feel your club's in a financially stable position, either way, this advice will apply and it will give you something to do immediately. It will give you some action steps to take a hard, long look at what you're doing here at the end of the year, the end of the last quarter of 2019, before we start the new decade And make sure that your club is in the best financial shape it can be. Before I bring Peter on, just want to let you know, give you a little bit of an update of what's going on over at the Let's Play Through show. That's the new YouTube channel. I hope you'll check it out at letsplaythrough.com or just go to YouTube and, and type in Let's Play Through. Through is spelled with a U, by the way. But just want to let you know what's happening. Our viewership is climbing really steady. It's like... It's like leveling up in a video game. Every couple of weeks, all of a sudden we level up. So we're, our, our views grow kind of exponentially. We've now crossed over the 20,000 viewer threshold. So I want to say a big thank you to all the listeners here at Private Club Radio who have actually watched it, who have shared those videos on social media. I really appreciate you doing that. That's what's helping us get more eyeballs on the show, which again, if you know, my mission is to get more people into the game of golf. That's the ultimate goal for the show. So, thank you for sharing the show if you've been one of the folks that have done that. All right, without further ado, let's bring on our featured guest. Well, I'm happy to welcome back Peter Nunula of Concert Golf Partners. It's been a while since he's been on Private Club Radio, but he's here with us again today. Lucky to have him back on. Peter, how are you, sir? Excellent, Gabe. Good to hear your voice. You've been busy. You've got all kinds of things happening. Tell us what's been going on this summer.
1: Yeah, uh, we we um, I guess the biggest news for our company is we raised a big pile of new capital, another $100 million, to go invest in more clubs. Congrats. As well as in our existing clubs improvements. Yeah, so that's really good. Because, you know, our industry is, uh, I guess it, it's feast or famine. It comes and goes with regard to capital. Uh, and so we always like to be loaded with capital so that we can always be investing in clubs.
0: That's right. And this is been 10 years now of a great economy. And so like, if you're looking into your crystal ball, what what are you thinking is going to happen here in the next 10?
1: Yeah. So I'm no, I'm no prognosticator. (laughs) I don't know how how good you feel about your predictions about the economy, but I think most of the sort of savvy followers that, that at least I've watched would tell you that because the the dreaded yield curve has inverted recently, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at a recession of some magnitude in the next one to two years. Mm-hmm. So it may not be immediate, may not be in twenty twenty, but but pretty soon after that, I think most serious economists would say, you know, this bull run we've had that's been pretty amazing. It's gonna hit some sort of turbulence in maybe twenty twenty one. Right. So that means the great times we've had for the last 10, 11 years are going to turn somewhat negative. It might not be quite like the 2008-2009 Great Recession. Probably not going to be of that magnitude. But if you imagine all these clubs that you and I speak with about membership, about all their issues, imagine them now instead of being in a fantastic economy that's growing every quarter. Now they're in a headwind where things are declining. It's time to, time to get serious.
0: Yeah. And for clubs that that didn't really take advantage of these last 10, 11 years of great economic prosperity, I think they got to start thinking about some options, right? Um, I know you just recently put out this really good list that I saw come through my email, and that's why I wanted to grab you and get you on the show. But you put together 11 signs that, if you're, if you really haven't taken advantage of the good times, maybe you should start to think about recapitalization. Um, I'd love it if you could take us through that list, Peter.
1: Yeah, exactly. Gabe. Again, it's not for every club and it's not meant to be a one size fits all solution, but you know, we talk to hundreds of clubs every year and these seem to be really common themes. So yeah, let's, Let's dig in. Top 11 signs your club may need to recapitalize.
0: First one here, we don't have a wait list to join. Why is that such an important sign of a club's prosperity?
1: Right. So, I mean, I think everyone knows that in every town in America, there's at least one or two clubs that have a wait list to get in. These typically are the old line, really established. Sometimes people call them the blue blood clubs that have Mm -hmm. a critical mass of the wealthiest, most successful business people, they've just been around forever and they have that nucleus established. And so if you want to join, you gotta put your name on a list. And it might be a relatively large initiation fee to join. Well, great. So there might be one or two of those clubs in your town. But the rest of them, even really nice clubs, do not have such a wait list. So why does that matter? Well the main thing is if you think about a country club as a business that at one point may have had 350 full golf members or 400 pick your pick your ideal scenario maybe 2006 Mm -hmm. was your peak when they didn't need you Gabe to help them sell memberships (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and now they're at now they're at 280 right so what does that mean well that means they might be down 60 or 70 full member equivalents times you know, pick an average number, eight or 10,000 bucks a year of dues, plus other spending.
0: Yeah, probably the low right, end, that's
1: yeah. 700, probably at the low end. So that's a half a million to a million dollars a year of dues and other spend, just pure cash flow for that club.
0: Right.
1: Well, most of these boards are not able to cut their costs, change their service offerings in such a way to save a million dollars a year. They might trim around the edges, but they're not going to go saving a million dollars a year. So a club that used to break even is now facing operating shortfalls every year. I mean, that's a that's a big problem because yeah. you know the spiral that happens when you have an operating shortfall every year. You gotta charge the remaining members, let's say we have two eighty now, you've got to charge them more to be a member of the same club. Mm-hmm. Not good.
0: Yeah. And uh, over 10 years, you're talking 10 million. That's a new clubhouse ed- addition or, you know, renovating the golf course, all kinds of things that that, that aren't going to happen because you've been operating that way. It's a, Exactly. And then you got the flip side of that, which is number two on your list. Um, You've got clubs out there that right now have a wait list to get a refund. Let's talk about just some examples there.
1: Yeah, we find this one very often is kind of a sleeper. It doesn't really come up in our first conversations with the board, right? They're a really nice club. Maybe they have no debt. Maybe they've been very prudently managed and they've got a really nice club in terms of amenities and maybe they've even been making some reinvestment. So at the outward first look, you'd say, this is a club that's pretty well governed and in decent shape. And then in like our third conversation with them, a board member will say, well, we have 70 people on on a sell list. What's a sell list? Well, I paid forty or sixty thousand to join way back when, and there's some sort of a refund program when you leave. You know, I get my money back, or I get some portion of my money back, et cetera. Well, you've got to put your name on a list, and then when your name comes up to the top, we'll write you a check. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if there's seventy people in front of me, you might go into the membership director and say, "Hey, how many?" people are we issuing refunds to per year? And you may or may not get an answer. (laughs) Or they'll say something like, we refunded four of those last year. Right. Oh, and then you on the back of an envelope, you do the math and say, wow, I could be waiting around 10, 15 years to get a check back. This Mm -hmm. isn't good. And then the word spreads around the club that we have what what somebody called an exit trap. You, You can join the club, you can get in, you can't really get out if you have to keep paying dues and you can't really get your refund for 10 or 15 years after you go on the sell list. Not good.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. That can be really scary. So when you got, if you've got one of those looming, that's that, that could definitely be a, a big time sign. I would say let's move on to number three on your list there, Peter clubs that have looming assessments. Let's talk about that one.
1: Right. So the normal way that most member owned clubs fund their improvements is to um, is to scope the improvements they want to make do some focus groups do some cost estimating and come up with a budget three or four million 10 or 12 million whatever it is and then they uh, will go back to their membership and say here's some options for how we'll pay for it and usually in that mix whether they borrow some from a bank or they don't usually in that mix is every member needs to put up 3000 5000 10000 bucks in a one time assessment or spread it over 5 or 10 years so basically everyone's got to put in 5 or 10000 bucks okay well again at those elite clubs that we talked about before no problem there's a wait list of guys like you and me that want to get into that club so if somebody says i'm not paying the assessment that member is out and that's a spot for Gabe that opened up. So Gabe can join that club. So generally, at clubs with a nice wait list to get in, you do not have a problem with assessments because everyone wants to preserve their slot at the club. Right. And they'll just pay it. Yeah. But at most ordinary or really nice clubs that don't have a long wait list to get in, there's usually some pushback when the assessment comes around. And it comes in a number of forms. Older members don't want to pay for anything. Sure. Tennis members don't want to pay for new greens. <laughs> Golf members don't want to pay for new tennis courts. And so you have these lively debates. And and I say the common problem that I see is the bylaws usually say something like you need a 51% vote of the membership to pass an assessment. Well, great, we can get 55 or 65 or even 70. The problem is even with a 70% vote, That means you may have 30% of your members vote against the assessment. And that means that even after you push it through as a board, you're probably going to have 20, 30, 40 members up and quit. They basically have decided, I don't want to write a five or $10,000 check to remain a member of this club. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to pay it. I don't use the club enough. It gives them a reason to reevaluate whether they're getting value out of their membership. And now you have a club that started the year at 300 full member equivalents, and is gonna have 270 when they wake up, you know, after the assessment, not good.
0: What's the magic number for you in those types of vote voting scenarios, by the way, in term, terms of percentage?
1: Yeah, the, the magic number is definitely not 51%. It's definitely not the voting number in your bylaws. The magic number is something like 90%. If, if you can get 90 plus percent to vote for an assessment, you know that means that you're probably not going to get a significant amount of attrition and you can probably offset that attrition right. with some new members that you'll get because you did some exciting improvements but if it's if it's well below 90 percent you're probably looking at several years of headwinds uh in terms of operating shortfalls membership shortfalls
0: yeah, just dissatisfied folks in general. That's never a good thing because they're not, they're not referring new members. They're not getting their friends to come check out the club when they're unhappy. So absolutely. Let's move on to number four on your list. When clubs have capital projects that need to be done, but maybe they still have debt left over from the last ones. What can you say about that, Peter?
1: Yeah, so this feeds into the one we just talked about, assessments. I mean, it's one thing to go out with an assessment for five or $10,000 up front. I would say most clubs we see, I don't know about your experience, but most clubs we see will say, All right, we're gonna spend five million dollars, divide by three or four hundred people, you know, it's ten or twelve thousand bucks a person, but why don't we spread it out over ten years? That's a thousand bucks a year for each member. That's eighty three bucks a month. That's no big deal. Yeah, you know, dues are six fifty a month, we're gonna to go to seven thirty three a month if I got my math right, we're gonna put an extra line item on your bill. Regular dues, 650. 83 is the new capital assessment surcharge or whatever they call it. Right. So the problem is, if you still got four or five million of debt from your last round of improvements and you were paying for that debt service payment by adding 83 bucks a month to everyone's bill five years ago. Okay, now we're gonna do that again, okay? So now we're going to add another 83 bucks a month on everyone's bill. And we just went from 733 to eight something a month. Yeah. Well, you know, as a membership marketing guru, if if just a few years ago, we were charging 650 a month in dues for this club. It's a nice club in town, but now we're charging 733. Now we're charging 800 and something dollars a month to be a member of that same club. Well, what just happened? Well, the top half of your members probably can pay it, probably voted for it, and they're happy to write the check. But the bottom half or the bottom third of your membership doesn't use the club as much, doesn't have as much discretionary income. Those people are starting to reconsider whether I really want to pay 800 and some bucks a month to be a member of this club that I was okay paying 650 a month for. And imagine your car payment on your car going up. From six fifty a month to eight oh five a month. Like what would you say to your car company <laughs> if they sent you a bill like that? <laughs> so that's a problem. When you've got when you got the debt left over from last time, the bank may not lend you more money at the club. You're you're out of borrowing capacity. And the amount of the bill you're sending to your members every month is just going up too much for everyone to swallow.
0: And it's the difference between being at the median level maybe in your in your market to being right at the top end of the market and it's tough to compete against if you're a, you know, kind of a midline club to compete against the top clubs, if you, you know, if you're charging that kind of money, but their value isn't there. So that's a, that's a huge right
1: there. Well, yeah, Gabe. And, 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 and as Warren Buffett likes to say, like in a 10 or 11 year expanding economy, maybe a lot of clubs are getting away with this multiple items on their bill and, and people are paying it. But Warren Buffett likes to say, you only know who's been swimming naked when the tide goes out right <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite favorite images but like when this next recession comes whether it's a soft one or a, or a nastier one if you're overpriced you know in in the eyes of a marketing guru like you if you're overpriced by 100 bucks a month in town and we hit a recession boy those are the clubs that are going to be exposed Get right. Hit. They're going to have to cut their dues or something dramatic when the recession hits.
0: I love that one. And, and it, it kind of leads right into your number five on your list, which is you've got kind of a standard percentage in terms of what that dues and assessment increase can be each year for a club. Let's talk about what that what that magic number is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the way we look at it is if you're if you're growing the members bill by. The way the economy is growing—two, three, four percent a year—then that's probably the, the same percentage that a lot of things we all pay for in our lives are growing. You know, general inflation—two, right. three, four percent. Yeah. I don't think most members blanch too much when they see that because you send out an email from your general manager saying, "Hey, the cost of paying our people are going up, the cost of the other things we buy at the club for you, Mr. and Mrs. Member, going up." So we're implementing a 3% dues increase. Most members say that's pretty reasonable. But I think we see a lot of clubs that are their, their total bill is going up a lot more than that. And and you know, one club in particular we've been talking to recently has so many items on their member bill because it's basically just a way of funding shortfalls, paying for debt, paying for capital assessments, and all these other things. I mean, here, here's one that I have on my desk right now, dues. They have a restaurant surcharge because I guess they're trying to subsidize some losses in food and beverage. Mm -hmm. A lot of clubs have a pro shop plan you're probably familiar with called like a Mill River plan Mm -hmm. uh, where you you just kind of have a standard upcharge on your pro shop merchandise. They have a caddy fund. They have a locker fee. They have a bag storage fee. That's pretty typical. (laughs) They have a food and beverage minimum. And this club has three or four different capital assessments. So I don't want to get too specific and breach any confidences, but if you take a dues bill that was the regular dues bill a few years ago, and you add these six or eight other items that are on your bill, just just think about it this way. If the total member bill is another 50% on top of the regular dues, that's a big problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And so, yeah, the the idea that the high level is if you're growing the members bill by more than inflation, two, three, four percent in a given year, you're you're asking for more attrition.
0: Yeah. And people hate that ticky tack, you know, charge this and this and that and that. And, you know, I, I think people want just an all in number at the end of the day. They don't they don't want to seem like they're getting nickel and dimed. And that's exactly what that kind of stuff does.
1: Yep, we're seeing that trend too. Yep.
0: Let's talk about number 6 on your list, you know, average member age rising. I see that at a lot of clubs, especially in the the yacht clubs, I think that's a big problem, but really across the industry, the average member age is rising at a lot of clubs when it when the economy's good. That's a scary that's scary. So t- let's talk about that, Peter.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of boards we've talked to are working hard to try to get younger families into their club, which is good. It shows the board is focused on the right things. Other boards, um, I think they give lip service to it, but I'm not sure. Like if you just look at the board composition itself, if we're on the phone with a board of 11, 12, 15 people and they all are older men, that generally isn't a good sign because it means they're not trying to diversify their board, which means those younger voices aren't really represented. Uh, but e- even if their board has got some diversity to it and their average age is ticking up, um, it's not a good sign because generally speaking, are young people gonna wanna join a club with an average age of 68 or 72? Probably not. Uh, are, are the kinds of policies and amenities that younger families are attracted to. You know, do you have a water slide and splash pad out by your pool? Do you have a kids' club where mom and dad can leave the kids while they're having a nice dinner and an evening at the club? Do you have the policies and and the whole management of the club geared toward younger families, or are you one of those clubs that's just decided that's not us. We just want to we just want to do what the founders and the kind of older members that have always been in charge of the club want to do. We want to keep it for us. Those clubs we find are the, are the majority of the ones that are struggling. Yeah. Right. They're not even trying to replace themselves with 20, 30 younger, 23 years, younger members that would bring that average age down.
0: Right. Yep. It's, um, yeah, uh, the, the 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 proverbial poop will hit the fan, and that's that's definitely one that would be high up on my list. Let's go. Let's go on to number seven. Boards trying many many different tactics, but they're just seemingly not able to replace the attrition that they're having. What are some of the the telltale signs that that's happening?
1: Yeah, we we often walk into these rooms, and I'm sure you do too, when you're talking about membership marketing, and they. They talk about they talk about what they've worked on in recent years: discounting specials, a preview membership. We've we've tried to get members to sponsor their friends and different sales tactics, and so um, they can't seem to keep up with attrition. They're they're treading water, they're flat, or they're slightly down in terms of number of full member equivalents. Or the one you probably hear a lot: we're replacing a lot of full golf members with socials. Yeah. Well. Socials don't bring in the same amount of dough as a full golf number, right? right? And so the problem the problem I see at the at the board level uh, is you've got three board members out of nine replacing every year typically, and the new two or three people are successful business people, right? So they have done really well in some business or another. And what they basically want is a one or two year, you know, at that at the plate. They want to get up there and try the different marketing ideas or management ideas they've had in their business, whether the person owns a car dealership or sells insurance mm-hmm. or has some other kind of business. These are smart, wealthy, successful people and they're pretty headstrong. Hey, I got elected to the board. People want me to give these things a try. And then you talk to some of the other board members who are past presidents or been in governance at that club for 10 years and they'll say, We've tried all those things multiple times, and the fundamental issue we keep getting back to with them is, A, you still have the $5 million of debt you had before, B, you still have a business model that's predicated on passing the hat and Mm -hmm. having 300 people pay for millions of dollars of new improvements, and you have the same uh, older members that are controlling all of the decision-making and the policies of the club. Well, no wonder you're not getting 45-year-old families with three kids to join. <laughs> exactly, It's a business model challenge right. rather than just letting two or three new board members try some new membership marketing techniques.
0: Yeah, and I'll add to that. I would say that to, to get some younger representation on the board would be, would be another way to do some of that because a lot of times you just, the board's not representative of, they're trying to go after the younger families but they're not putting any of those folks on the board so it's not really representative of what they're trying to do <laughs> so anyways yeah exactly num- number 8 is 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 perfectly aligned with what you mentioned before that that death spiral that clubs get into number 8 initiation fees are down and they don't fund capital needs anymore we've seen a lot of clubs that just never really recovered from slashing their their initiation fees in in 2008 and why why have clubs had such trouble doing that
1: yeah um well listen i mean we're not trying to suggest that people should keep their initiation fee at 25,000 if it's not selling and you know that if the market is 15 for that club now then the market's 15 because uh, if you just stay stubborn and say we used to sell memberships for twenty-five to forty thousand, you may just add very few new members per year. So we're not trying to say stick to the old ways and keep your membership initiation fees high, regardless of what kind of results you're getting. We're not saying that. I think what we're seeing is, in general, there is a trend. And initiation fees are lower than they used to be. You know, part of it was in the '90s when deductibility of these sort of costs for corporations went away with the golf clubs. And then there's other trends. Do people really want to write a check for fifty, a hundred thousand bucks or more to join a country club? This is one where we think maybe a more permanent change has really happened in the in the club landscape. Yeah. The initiation fees are just not the same anymore, except for those elite clubs. If you have a big wait list to get in, you could pretty much just set your price right. at some very high level. Uh, but but if you're a normal club that's got three or hundred, you know, full member equivalents and you wish you had three fifty or four hundred, you know, just pick a number. Then you basically got to move your initiation fee with what the market will bear. Well, the answer is if you're only getting ten or fifteen thousand for an initiation fee and just to get thirty, then you just don't have Three hundred, five hundred thousand, 500,000, a million dollars of initiation fee cash sloshing around in the club's bank accounts anymore, right. which means where'd all that money go for improvements every year? It's not a reliable source of cash anymore for most clubs.
0: Right. Yep. Well, well said. Number nine on the list that again flows right into it is when cash flow doesn't fund a healthy capital reserve. Let's talk about that one, Peter.
1: Yeah, so I mean I think what most of consultants yourself included and the other strategic kind of consultants that advise boards in our industry, you have a lot of them on your show. But most of them would tell you you really should fund a capital reserve every year. And then you have these capital reserve studies that come out that say we need to spend five, ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars upgrading our physical plant over the next five to ten years. Okay, yeah. well, do the math. We need to spend a million bucks a year for the next decade, or a million five a year. Well, wait a minute. We don't have that much money sitting in the club's cash accounts. We're just trying to break even yeah. operationally, pay our debt service, right? Yeah. Pay for a, you know a couple hundred grand of capital, you know things that our general manager says we have to do: cart path busted, HVAC, carpet, paint, just to keep up with the basic you know wear and tear on the club. That's mostly where where the vast majority of clubs are, but if we're not building up a million or two or three million bucks, we can't do any big, exciting projects that are going to get people to join the club, certainly. So that's a a big issue. And sometimes we'll see a board that has really been disciplined about putting a bunch of money aside every year, but it's rare. And then that leads to a three to five year process where at some point they got to do something more significant.
0: Sure. And probably goes to the nature of most boards, which is that, you know, they're, they're, they're on it for a year or three years and at maximum. And, you know, maybe they're just not thinking long-term a lot of times. They just want to, they've got, they come in with an agenda that they want to take care of. (laughs) It's tough to tough to get that strategic plan in there. Um, number 10, I also really love is, uh, you know, a 10 year economic expansion. It's not really put these clubs in a strong financial position in general. What are what are some of the, the things that are going to happen once that next recession hits, Peter?
1: Yeah, so our experience is we've been doing this for 25 or 30 years, so that's a bunch of recessions, is that when this next recession comes, you're going to have a situation where your general manager's got a free news raise, right? Send out an email to the members saying, times are tough. We know some of our members are struggling in their lives and in their business, so we're not gonna do our normal 3% dues increase. Okay, so dues rates are flat. You've got fewer new members joining in a recession. You've got more member attrition. I think the statistics I saw when um, there was data out there from publicly traded club companies was that membership attrition will go up by something like 50%. So if you're used to losing 30 or 40 members per year at your club, you might lose 60 now, mm. 50 or 60 members. Okay, well, that, that's typical because, you know, every recession impacts people financially yeah. and, and, uh, and that's one of the things you might drop your family spending on. And then even the members you keep probably going to spend less at the club, definitely are going to spend less around <laughs> Christmas time, you know, when you have your big Christmas parties and you're having your lav- lavish events and times like we're in today, yeah, those parties are going to be smaller. The per head charge you can get at that wedding or banquet is going to be lower. So in general, revenues are going to drop. Overall, club's got to tighten its belt, right? And so I keep reminding these boards that we're in the best of times right now. And if you're still struggling with your debt or your membership levels or getting behind on capital improvements, boy, wait till a recession comes. You really need to get out in front of this thing.
0: Buckle up. That's right. That brings us to number 11 on the list. Uh, The net worth of your club is stagnant or declining. And that gets into uh, depreciation and adding value to the club. Can you explain that one, Peter?
1: Yeah, so this is probably a little bit obtuse for your average board member, but for those on the finance committee or CPAs, you know, basically depreciation might say four hundred thousand bucks a year. The assets of your club are depreciating by this amount every year, and then if the club's board only allocates one hundred thousand that year for improvements, it gives the GM one hundred thousand bucks to do break fix and other things. That means you're not keeping up with the rate at which your club's assets are depreciating. It's sort of a leading indicator, as the club benchmarking people would tell you. It's a leading indicator that the club is not keeping up with the necessary capital improvements to keep their physical plant in shape. I would say this this statistic is probably most clubs we talk to. Mm. It's very hard for them to reinvest every year, like you said, with changing board members, it's hard to stick to a business plan for five or 10 years when you have new presidents and new agendas every, every year, every other year. It's very hard for them to reinvest the same amount as a depreciation number would tell them to invest. So yeah. it's just a common challenge. And so this is capital related. Like I said, the, the core of all these 11 indicators are uh, the capital issues that all these clubs face plus their business model being member-owned and member-funded, and their governance, rotating boards of people with different agendas, is difficult to sustain even in the 10-year expansion. So when when things get a little bit softer in the economy, um, it's gonna get tougher for people. So we advocate them being proactive, look for a management company to help them, uh, call you and other membership marketing firms, uh, you know, just sort of get more proactive about putting their club on on sound footing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's you know, if you're starting to tick these boxes off, and you you know, you see three, four, five, or more of these, that sound like you. There's some options out there. Let's talk about the different types of options, and then maybe what makes your unique solution, Peter, with Concert Golf Partners.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, if we if you see a half a dozen of these you you could check these boxes for your club, then you know that um, you should be more proactive as a board and looking at, looking at options. You should be thinking more about uh, uh, investing more in your physical plant, paying down your debt faster, et cetera. But uh, if that isn't likely to happen, given the current composition of your board and the current temperature around the club, you know, there's several options people pursue. Number one, like I said, call a golf management company. You know, there's Troon and Kemper and Billy Casper. There's a bunch of these companies that have decades of experience at running clubs and taking advantage of some purchasing power and some best practices that can sometimes help clubs, whether it's food and beverage or golf operations or you name it. And, and you know, we see more and more clubs adopting that and getting help. A second area is hiring top-notch consultants. And, and as you know, not all are created equal. Right. But in the membership marketing arena, you've got yourself. And you've got um, Creative Golf Marketing is very active. You've got a number of firms that do membership marketing. And if you need an extra 30 members, these are the firms that can often help, right? Yours and others. Uh, there are buying groups. Right. So, general manager could try to take advantage of little, you know, discounts on some of their purchasing by pooling their, their buys with other clubs. Um, and then there's obviously our option, which, you know, is not for everyone, but the idea of recapitalizing your club, moving from a, you know, 300 people passing the hat and trying to self govern this, this amenity to a, to a situation where a club hospitality firm like ours, uh, has lots of capital and lots of experience you know, owning and operating clubs, um, you've got to deal with someone like us. The, the benefit of our approach is it works every time, right? We have 20 clubs, and all of them are now thriving, mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, the, the detriment is it's a big step. Like A lot of clubs want to step into it. Well, let's call some consultants. Let's get some new ideas. Let's do a capital reserve study. Right? Let's try some different things we haven't tried before, which all makes good sense. And then at some point, they wake up and say, boy, we have tried most of those things over the past three to five years, and we're still down 70 members, and we still have three or four million of debt. This is unsustainable as a business model. So we really do need to talk to, as a fiduciary sitting on a board, we really need to talk to all the different options.
0: Yep, that's right. Well, I think, you know, I've seen the results that you guys have had around the country. And like you said, it's, it's maybe not the, the, the option that every club needs to take or would be the best option for them, but for a lot of clubs, it really is. And I hope that folks that were, you know, checking off some of these right off their list, or maybe some clubs out there that checked off all 11, they at least explore what concert golf and what you Peter can bring to the table and how you can make that uh, transition kind of as seamless as possible so that members can just go back to enjoying their club, which is why our clubs exist. Anyways, they're, they're places of enjoyment, not You shouldn't have to be, like you said, passing the hat around every month or every year, but really just being able to enjoy something and feel like you're getting the value out of that. And I think that's one, one great reason to consider what you guys are doing, Peter. If folks want to reach out to you, maybe just explore that option a little bit. What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, best way is just go to our website, concertgolfpartners.com, or to just call me 949-715-0602. And it's a confidential chat uh Gabe, just like you. You you'll talk to a board member about their club on a very confidential basis just to explore. And if and if I can refer them elsewhere, I will. But if if our option is a good one for them, we'll we'll get into it with them in more depth.
0: Absolutely. And I encourage people to, to look back at some of the old board chats we've done. We've been doing this segment now for almost three years here on Private Club Radio. And just about every scenario you can think of, we've covered on, on these board chats. And so just want you to know that you're not, your club's not alone. You're not on an island other clubs have gone through this and and peter and his team have been able to help them navigate these processes and and help turn these clubs around it's been amazing to see so peter i just want to thank you for all all you've done for this industry and continue to do and wish you lots of success here as 2020 approaches
1: yeah same to you gabe much appreciated
0: I'm heading off to the Middle East here right after Thanksgiving. I'm hopping on a plane. My first stop is Qatar, and we'll be speaking to the Club Managers Association of Europe, Middle East, and North Africa chapters. I'll be in first Qatar and then heading to Oman and then to Dubai to give a presentation on membership marketing. So if you're in that region listening to this show, first off, I'd love to meet you and just say hello. So don't be shy and come up and say hello to me if you're listening to the show and you're going to be at one of those events. But I'm really excited to be doing the Let's Play Through show at Education City Golf Club in Doha with Mr. Michael Braidwood. Michael was a guest on the show way, 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 way back when we first started it, probably within the first 25 episodes or so of Private Club Radio. He's a great gentleman and he's the one who's organized this entire adventure out to the Middle East. So I'm excited for that. Then in Dubai, we're going to be doing the show over at Emirates Golf Club, and we're going to head over to Dubai Creek as well, which is all part of the Dubai golf family and really excited to be doing the show over there. So taking the show international here. When I get back after that, we're heading over to TPC Denzante Bay, really excited to showcase that new property that's over on the west coast of Mexico over near the Cabo area. So I'm going to be gone basically for three weeks. So Actually, what I'm doing today is kind of getting all the shows ready for me being gone. They'll, they'll be able to automatically drop while I'm gone so I don't have to podcast while I'm on the road. So that means I actually know the schedule in advance of what's coming. So I'll share that with you. Next week, we're going to be talking to two really great young managers in this industry, two up-and-coming leaders of the private club world. Ben McWilliams and Dominique Gray of Dunwoody Country Club, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. They're going to talk about young leadership, how you attract younger talent to your organization, how do you retain them and keep them really, really engaged in your brand as a club. I think that it's going to be a really interesting conversation for you to hear. The week after that, we're going to be talking about how you can use Text messaging to actually develop your membership. So, if you've got prospects that are coming in on a website landing page or somehow you're generating membership prospects and you're looking for a unique way and an interactive way to follow up with them, we're going to talk about that on December 16th with Justin Baer. So, just some cool episodes coming at you here to end the year. Make sure you keep tuned to Private Club Radio. Every single Monday, we'll be dropping those episodes. I hope to catch you back here next week on another edition of Private Club Radio. And until then, here's to your membership success.